Welcome to the next podcast. This is the doctor speaking, diagnosing the intersection between work and learning. I don't just have one guest today, listeners. No, this is a double act. I know, I spoil you, I know. Well, hello, Bonnie and Michelle. Hello, how are you, Trevor? G'day, Trevor. Oh, you heard the good day, yes. You will find out exactly who our guests are. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Of course. Hello, Trevor, and hello, everyone who is listening today. My name is Dr. Bonnie Dean, and I'm from the University of Wollongong, and I'm joined with and alongside my beautiful partner in Will. Over to you. Hi, I'm Michelle Eady, Associate Professor Michelle Eady, also from the University of Wollongong. Um, and yes, Bonnie and I are, have been blessed to be working alongside of each other in a lot of different areas of Will. So thanks so much for having us today, Trevor. Now, I'm pretty sure our listeners are on Google Maps right now, and they are thinking, where the hell is Wollongong? Um, <laughs> this is in Australia, everybody. Um, give us a little bit of an approximation. What would be the closest coastal town? Yes, if you have been to Sydney and you've been lucky enough to be on this side of the world. So Wollongong is about an hour and a half south of Sydney. Um, it's right on the coast. Uh, it's, we think that it's a little hidden gem, speaking of gems. Um, with beautiful beaches and uh, lovely oceanside views. And our university is nestled right at the bottom of a, a beautiful mountain here um, on the east coast of Australia. Aboriginal language, it is known as Darawal country. And Wollongong itself is actually an Aboriginal name as well. It's an Aboriginal name which uh, stands for Five Islands. So if you stand at the lighthouse at Wollongong and you look out east, you will see Five Islands. I love the fact that you've got a coast and you're at the foot of a mountain. I have the Medway River, which is a lovely river, but it's, we'll just move on from there, right? Uh, tell us a little bit more about what it is you do. Uh, tell us a little bit about your institution, which disciplines you're involved in. So I am the head of academic development and recognition at the University of Wollongong. So that means I support teachers in all areas of their teaching practice and curriculum design. Um, and seeking recognition for their teaching as well. In terms of Will, though, I wear a lot of hats, and many of these hats I wear alongside Michelle. Uh, so um, at UAW, I am a Will curriculum specialist, so that means I get to sit alongside academics and think through ways that we can uh, draw on industry partnerships into their curriculum. Michelle and I are also sitting on an institution-wide Work Integrated Learning Advisory Committee, and this is where we are allowed to really sort of stretch our wings in terms of where we see will for our institution in terms of developing strategy, policy and quality will practices. The other hats we wear together is that we both sit on the National uh, Work Integrated Learning Board called ASIN. So that is the Australian Collaborative Education Network. And this is the Australian National uh, Network for Work Integrated Learning. Now, within that, we do a variety of different things, uh, different roles. I lead the professional development in work integrated learning. So we gather academics and professional staff around Australia together so we can network and really think about work integrated learning in our context. Also, so I'm not finished yet. There's so many things that we still do in Will. Um, also, I'm on the editorial board of IJ Wills. That's the International Journal of Work Integrated Learning. And with Michelle, we have we have also been guest editors of two special issues. One that was in the 
Journal of University Learning and Teaching Practice that was in 2020 on advancing non-placement will and one that's coming up that we'll tell you about a little bit later. Michelle and I also supervise wonderful honours, masters and PhD students in all areas of work integrated learning. <laughs> I think that she's hit all the, all the buttons there, Trevor. I guess one interesting thing about both Bonnie and I is that we're both graduates of the institution that we're working at currently. Um, we both love our campus and not just because it's got the beautiful ocean and it's nestled at the foot of a mountain, as you said, um, but also because our institution really believes in the power of our students and giving them um, the opportunities to really come into themselves and be the kind of professionals that we want to see um, that will work and and and, um, and enliven our society moving forward. So um, we're both very strong advocates of our institutions and love where we work as well. Now you've provided loads of little hooks that we're going to be returning to to hang on some uh, conversation jackets. Uh, and we'll, we'll stretch those out over the recording. One of those being the International Journal of Work Integrated Learning. We'll come back to that one as well as ASIN. I think you were saying it. I call it ASIN. It sounds like something you have for indigestion. Um, but we'll come <laughs> back to that one. We'll come back to that one as well uh, in a little bit. Now, Bonnie, you mentioned that you are in the education, right? You're working with teachers. Yeah, so I've... I'm in a central learning and teaching unit, but Michelle is in the School of Education. But you've okay. done some publications around nursing, have you not? Yes. Yeah, so I just took a three-year secondment over to nursing where I got to meet and work alongside the most incredible nursing professionals. And in that space, yeah, it was it was wonderful. I've been able to sort of flex my skills a little bit and think about how not only work integrated learning, but also other areas of teaching and learning can work inside a nursing curriculum. Michelle, I think you were, you, you were going to jump in with something. Oh, I, I think it's really interesting that the kind of um, balance that we have here because Bonnie works directly with uh, university lecturers and instructors and I actually teach in the School of Education and, and my children would say that I teach teachers how to teach. Um, and I think the, inter the interesting thing about the work that I do is that I've been doing Will for a very long time, both participating in Will and teaching my subjects through as much um, will as I can in different in different perspectives in different ways that it's presented, but I just didn't call it will for a very long time. So in education, we call it you know a practicum or going out to practice teach or being a pre-service teacher. Um, and so using the language will in the education space is new, but what we actually do in education, I say that well I call it the, being the godmothers of will. We've kind of been doing <laughs> will for a very long time. And, and that's the interesting thing, how we understand the notion of professionalism. I think the challenge, and I'm leading to something here, the challenge for us in terms of work integrated learning is that a lot of this had existed in these disciplines many, many, many years ago. Lawyers, very similarly. Doctors, of course, as, a, as, a, as another extension from the nursing practice. Um, engineers, psychologists. Engineers, psychologists. So this, this has been around for a very, very long time. My PhD was on Church of England priests. Now, oh, fascinating. The, inter the interesting thing is that in English society, the first three professions in English society were doctors, lawyers and priests. And the reason being is they could all read. They had an education. From your perspective from Wollongong, what are some of the insights that you are potentially gaining now at your university in terms of will? I think what we have noticed, particularly in our position yeah, being on the Work Integrated Learning Advisory Committee, is that 
Historically, a lot of disciplines have worked in silos in terms of what they have been doing. They have had their set of partnerships and uh, been able to maintain those partnerships within that discipline. We've also noticed that work integrated learning is typically known for its work in the later years of the degree. So in capstone subjects, those final subjects which draw together uh, skills and knowledge. So if you're looking at any discipline, what we might see is, say, a subject or a unit which is completely dedicated to work integrated learning. And whether it's called that or not, that's what it is. And there's often a support crew around that. So there's the those who are helping source those placements, those who are involved in the teaching and learning side, and often, you know, others if, if it's well resourced. What we have noticed is that uh, working together learning, especially in the past few years, has really diversified. So it's not only something that we see now in capstones, and we're noticing this at the University of Wollongong, it's actually, it's it's now peppered across other years. Now, when we go to say education, we go to Michelle's um, discipline, what we see is will from first year, second year, third year, but when we go to other more generalist degrees or non-vocational degrees, if there is will, it is typically in that capstone unit. Where we have been going as an institution is really exploring how we can scaffold a variety of different work integrated learning modes across a degree. So some work that we've been really trying to champion is this uh, development of a framework which actually provides a common language to all these multiple names that we call work integrated learning placements, PECs, internship. It includes field trips, simulations and a whole range of things. We've developed a framework which allows us to then put classifications or names to different clusters of will activities so that no matter what discipline you're in, you can actually identify what type of work integrated learning is in that subject. Now, we've done that based on the degree to which a student participates in the will rather than giving it a name such as these are internships, these are projects, these are sims, these are everything else. And by doing that, again, we're able to identify uh, that, that common point, the degree to which a student practices work within their, uh, within their discipline, within their study context. This particular framework has now been embedded into our policy and into our course systems, so much so that students can now actually look up online their subject and see the degree to which that subject has work integrated learning, not just for a capstone or an internship, but every single subject across the university. It's also embedded now in part of our policy work. So if your course is undergoing formal review, we provide, on behalf of the committee, we provide a map which will actually show you where the work integrated learning is and what type of classification that work integrated learning is so you can design and plan for the students in your cohort. I think what's been really beautiful too, just to tag on to what Bonnie's saying, is um, developing this framework and introducing it and spending a lot of time going to different schools within faculties and different meetings and talking to staff and talking to faculty. We've seen the language grow across the faculty so much so that now or across the university so much so now, um, you know, Bonnie and I will be at the coffee shop and and we'll be waiting in line for a coffee and we'll hear someone at the other table saying, well, do you do you think this is embedded will or this is applied will? Because I was looking at the matrix and I'm not quite sure. And I'll say to Bonnie, oh, my goodness, listen, they're talking. They're talking our language over there. So one of the insights maybe that we have as well is building something like this from the ground up from the people who are working face to face or on the coal face with students and getting them to understand that language and to start to speak the language of will but then also from the top down 
um, and having it embedded in our policy saying this must be done um, is something that we have seen working towards the goals that we would like to um, see for our students. So at the University of Wollongong, um, we've recently had our, our planning day and we were lucky enough to have our um, Deputy Vice Chancellor of Education attend. And we talked about custom, well, we, we talked about the, the employer satisfaction that has just a survey that has just gone out. And, um, you know, our university had 92% of, of our employer satisfaction. And he really called it out and said that a big part of this is because of Will. And because of the steps that we're taking as a university to future-proof our students and get them ready to be able to take up um, important and meaningful positions in society when they graduate. So having that support from the top down as well as feeding it from the bottom up seems to be a little bit of a, a magical kind of solution when you're trying to spread the word across campus. This sounds absolutely amazing. And you're right, the language does cause some problems in terms of how do we define things. Uh, I was visiting the University of York uh, in Canada a number of years ago, and they actually call all their, their work integrated learning programs EL, experiential learning, because it's, a, it's a, bro a broader term to incorporate everything that's going on across the university. You, you're talking about Vygotsky's scaffolding. Um, I wonder whether he had Will in his mind as he was thinking mm. about his scaffolding. From a broader perspective then, um, you were mentioning that you are both engaged in the, the Australia-wide network. What do you see going on in Australia more widely? Yes, so through ASIN, we've got the privilege of having 41 institutions, uh, higher education institutions and college being members of, our, of this network, which really gives it quite broad reach into uh, many different contexts and disciplines and spaces for work integrated learning. We, we draw together uh, a variety of these of, of people in, in many different ways and through conversations we actually get to learn what is happening on the ground for Will. Now I know that everybody is familiar with what happened in 2020 and that was a really quite a pivotal time for ASIN as the leading strategic network to draw people together to start having those conversations about how do we pivot Will Online. And those conversations is something that, that continues today. So that's something that the network was really keen to support. How do we actually um, reach out to Will practitioners and academics and researchers in this very new way of working? when we were all grappling with ideas. So the types of things we did was we ran webinars, but we also ran these conversations that were online that would it would be around a particular topic, but draw together people so we could actually start sharing what we're doing in our practice and learn from one another during what was a really difficult year, which was 2020. And by 2021, we'd learned some lessons and here we are now in 2022 and we're able to build and grow on what we have learned. I think during this time as well, ASIN has noticed that there has been a considerable shift in the way that we do will and the way we recognise certain activities as will. Certainly there's a lot more innovation that has occurred and technology is no longer something that you talk about as separate from will. Technology is just something that's imbued in the practice. It's part of the curriculum. And so for work integrated learning, that's the same. It's not just doing will through a particular, um, say, software or doing will through you know, through Teams or Zoom or something like that. It's just very much part of the practice of doing will because it's part of work now. And so naturally that's been a really interesting part of the ASIN conversation. We're also really 
big advocates of quality work integrated learning and ASEN has developed a framework around quality will and something we really hope to champion is the uptake of that framework to help assess the quality of work integrated learning at different levels so at a strategic level and at an operational level and everything in between including our partnerships and the way we look at those partnerships so quality will is something we're really uh, very keenly interested in we have grants and scholarships, so grants through research grants and scholarships, we reach out to students targeting particular areas as well. So the types of things we're noticing is that we we want to support students from to go to regional areas and we want to support regional students going into city areas. So ensuring that there's that move across different uh, geographies and spaces to really enable greater and deeper learning. Through our grants, we've actually been targeting certain areas to explore so we can actually then learn more about what is going on in practice and in theories and conceptualise these really big spaces in will that haven't uh, been completely thought through. One of the most interesting areas that we're noticing, and Michelle is really becoming quite the expert in this space, is how do we uh, explore and advance Indigenous will? And that's something that we're really, really um, interested in in thinking through. So that's work integrated learning for Indigenous students in Indigenous communities as well. Um, and even um, this is not just something that's specific to Australia, but actually something that globally is something that we would really like to uh, draw attention to. Michelle, do you want to pick up a little bit more on the on the Indigenous voices? Tell us more about this Indigenous uh, uh, voices inclusion. That's really exciting. Yeah, so I have a heritage of an Indigenous um, Canadian background of Mi'kmaq. I have a great grandmother who is a, a Mi'kmaq. And so I actually have come to my research and come to my job with that background that's ingrained in the way that I think. So as a teacher, I spent a lot of time in remote and isolated communities, one of which was about 200 kilometers south of the Arctic Circle for a number of years in a, a remote and indigenous place where it's you no know, in the in the summer it's light all, all for 24 hours, in the winter it's dark for 24 hours, and you have your aurora borealis and everything else. Um, so spent time in in the community there. I've spent um, time in a community uh, on uh, Lake Huron, as as far north as you can go in Ontario as well, called Fort Seven. That's some of the time that I have spent in these remote and isolated places. And I've always been interested in the strengths that are evident in these communities. And sometimes, or a lot of the time, we really look at Indigenous communities through a deficit lens. Um, and for me, it's really important that we start working together with communities, for communities, to make a difference to communities and seeing the strengths in that. And so my PhD took a look at how do we build on those strengths? We recognize them, how do we build on them to help people learn? Um, and so I think that there's a lot to be learned from indigenous communities and spending time in community and learning from people. When I came to Australia, I did a PhD and spent time on the York Peninsula and in the Aboriginal community there and did my PhD working with that community. I've been lucky enough to be to Arnhem Land and spent some time in community there. And so I, I feel that there is a space for Indigenous will, and I've mentioned it to Bonnie several times, that I think that what I'd like to see from Indigenous will is that I would love to have more opportunities that are built that actually help to strengthen and grow community as a result 
of the kind of will practices that are happening. And so I, I did approach the the editor of IJ Will and, and had a chat with them and, and said, look, I'd really love to do a special issue where it's about Indigenous will, where we include people from Canada, we include people from New Zealand and Maori um, and people here from Australia. So we have an Indigenous special guest editor from Canada and Rob Hancock from University of Victoria, um, Dr. Sandy Morrison from AUT in, uh, in Auckland in, uh, in New Zealand, myself and, and Jamie Beveridge um, here at the University of Wollongong. And I asked Bonnie to please come along because I value her input so much. And our call out was, was widely you know, spread out and, and, and we had a great response from putting that call out. And we have mainly Indigenous authors who are writing about their experiences in Indigenous will in Canada, Australia, and New Zealand, and the ways in which they approach the will that they do with Indigenous students, Indigenous community, thinking about community and growing community. So there's some really great articles where the learning is taking place that's bettering not only the student, but the community as well. And it, the decisions about that learning are being made together with community and elders in the community um, to ensure that the path for the community is also taken into consideration. So we're getting really close to the publication of that Indigenous Voices will. Um, and it's something that I'm really proud of because of the fact of the how many different people are involved on, in how many different places, but who all have that same passion and desire to work with Indigenous community and, and show the strengths that exist. Listeners, we will update uh, the description of this podcast with that special edition once it's out. Um, I don't know about you, but I am itching to read those articles. It would be really, really good. Um, two quick things uh, on the back of what Michelle has just said. Uh, Carsten, who is the chief editor of uh, the International Journal of Work Integrated Learning, will be on this podcast. I, I want to pick up one little thing that, uh, th this is my little pet subject, I, I love publishing on it, talking on it. I've noticed in a lot of assessments as an external examiner that, you know, the, the, the assessment will say, you know, capstone, for example, you know, rights, blah, 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 you know, portfolio, and reflect. And this is the first time the students have actually seen the word. And it's the first time they have to almost, you know, all of a sudden practice the skills of reflection. And we just assume, I don't know, they go to sleep one night and wake up the next morning with these embedded skills of reflection. I'm, I'm originally from South Africa and a, a lot of our more rural communities, our indigenous communities, there's, a, there's, a, there's almost a naturalness within the communities to reflect. What insights have you gained from your institutions, from your own disciplines, from uh, ASIN from the International Journal of Work Integrated Learning uh, around reflection. Do you see this thing growing? Do, do you agree with me in terms of what you observe? So I, I might, if that's okay, I, I might just step in and um, I don't know if you noticed or not, Trevor, but in the last, you know, 48, 48 to 72 hours, which is which is probably really slow for you because I know how fast you are, but there's a new a new publication out um, about critical reflection um, that that might be a, a, a phraser at all, and that there might be an ED in there that you might want to take a look at. And we talk about the difference uh, between reflection and critical reflection, and how what what does that look like, and how 
do students understand or get to understand that? And we talk about three points, um, TEE -E instead of TEA, but TEE, -E. um, T one being theory and being the literature and what's out there and what people have said before you, E being the experience that you've had when you're on your placement or when you're on your will, or I have a lot of students right now who are teaching gymnastics or they taught music and they've worked with kids before. And the third being the expectation. And that's the other E is what is the expectation of the job that you're going into? And so that TEE model is something that I really believe that we need to teach students how to do. You're right. I don't think that you just wake up one day and you know how to reflect. And I don't even think when we talk about Indigenous communities, I think, again, this is a skill, the storytelling, the oralness of, of Indigenous communities and many Indigenous communities. That's something that is a skill that has that is honed and that has been taught to children to sit, to listen, to, to respect elders, to hear what they have to say to you. So in the same way, I think in, in our higher education institutions, we need to teach students what we mean when we're talking about reflection and what does that look like and how do we do that? So it's really interesting that you bring that up. The first assessment task that I have in my subject right now today that I was teaching was thinking about a teacher that you loved and what was a quality that they had that you loved and um, saw in them that made you feel that, yes, this is the teacher that I want to be. Now, find some literature about that. So if it's empathy, what is it saying about teachers and empathy? You know, what, And then what are the expectations of a teacher? Let's go to the standards and see what the expectations say. And now what are your experiences and what have you seen? And if you haven't seen, here are some videos for you to watch that I've gone into local schools and taken some videos of teachers teaching. Do you see what you're looking for in those videos? So I think in much of that same way in other disciplines, there may not be professional standards if you're doing a Bachelor of Arts or you know, a Bachelor of Geography, but there are expectations of the field and there are expectations of you in that job. And so helping students to understand that what they're doing is helping them prepare for that and how to critically reflect on those points is something that needs to be nurtured from us, you know, from who work in the university. And can I just pick up on that as well? So over 10 years ago, I was a, a designed and coordinated a work integrated learning program for business students. So before that, there wasn't anything for business students. And I would notice that I'd be sitting in my office on weekends or not weekends. I was there on weekends. Believe me, I was doing research, um, but I'd be sitting there on the on um, weekday afternoons and I'd have students come into my office and they would arrive either elated or deflated, excited or nervous or anxious. And what they would do is unpack all of these feelings just through conversation. And then I would go and read there what we had was e-logs back then, which was basically a really short written piece which captured what they did that day and how it made them feel. And I noticed there was a discrepancy between these feelings, emotions and, you know, uh, stories they were telling me face to face in my office compared to what I was reading online. And so that actually sparked my PhD for, through an ethn ethnographic lens to actually go and spend time sitting and observing students whilst on placement in these organisations to actually see how they are learning and what are they doing in order to bridge that gap between what do we know about student learning from educators' point of view and how can we actually ensure that we are affecting, capturing and supporting students in the way that they are learning on placement compared to the way that we might otherwise set up our systems and structures and assessments over, over this side on the ivory tower otherwise. How long is this podcast? No, we'll, 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 have to start, we'll have to start coming in for landing, I think. 
um, we, we could carry on for another hour. Um, let's move on to the unconference. Listeners, you know that uh, Pearson College London, uh, 1st of July, we are going to be running an unconference. The idea of an unconference is that we don't want to just sit and listen to somebody talking to us. We've, we've done that throughout the whole of COVID, but rather we want to be engaging in these kind of conversations similar to what we're doing here today. And so what we've done is we've, we've coined the theme for the unconference, new problems or new challenges new solutions and so we've touched on some of these some of these have been around for a while in work integrated learning but with COVID, the move to technology the increased involvement of indigenous voices these are some of the challenges that are that are good challenges but that are pushing uh, will into a new era i guess we mm. could say and we want to talk about some of those the booking link is in the description that's open now so you can book uh, to be part of the unconference You've heard about a guest editorial team that they've put together for an Indigenous publication. Well, Emerald Insight is partnering with the Unconference. Uh, the Higher Educational Skills and Work-Based Learning Journal is letting us have two issues that will be coming out uh, towards the end of next year, September, November time. And we're going to be putting in uh, academic publications from the Unconference into two back-to-back -back issues next year and Bonnie and myself are going to be part of that guest editorial team. The idea is that you would submit your ideas of what you potentially would like to research. That will go into the unconference. You'll have uh, colleagues have critical conversations with you around that. People may actually put in the same ideas and think let's partner up and let's co-publish together. And then out of the back of the unconference, hopefully going to be uh, supporting and working with people who would like to publish something. Um, and then the, the, the kind of the, the usual journal processes will kick in. In terms of your perspectives, what do you think are some of the key work integrated learning challenges for the future? Mm, I think that from an Australian perspective, we have you know, four big trends that we see are those that we need to think about moving forward. The first being developing scalable and sustainable will. How do we scale it up so that the entire university, so that community knows about it, so that students understand what's happening, uh, industry partners are on board and we scale it up for everyone. And then how do we sustain that? And what does that look like? How do we sustain it over time? How do we sustain it in community? So that's, that was, that's probably one of the big ones. And another one, Bonnie mentioned earlier, the delivering of quality will and what does quality will look like and how do we measure that and how do we know when it's quality will and how do we know that what the students are getting from their, their experiences are quality as well and how do we measure the, the student success. I think collaborate, um, collaborative stakeholder engagement um, is another big one that we talk about a lot here is, you know, we've got the university on board, we've got all the lecturers on board, everybody's talking about will and, and our different kinds of will. How do we get industry partners on board and to understand why this is important and get industry partners critically re reflecting um, Trevor and, and trying to get them to understand why this is important as an employee in one of these places. And that includes Indigenous engagement as well. Um, and I think other, other, mi uh, other minorities as well that we, that we need to think about with Will, which probably brings me to the last kind of big trend around diversity and inclusivity in Will. And how do we design Will for everyone? How do we help academics understand how to design Will for everyone? So I think looking at 
um, it from an Australian perspective and kind of the work that we've done with our Work Integrated Learning Advisory Committee and ASEN. Those are the four big ones that are really that are really you know kind of the big trends at the moment. There's other little buzzwords that are happening that people might want to talk about. Things like micro credentials or micro placements. Um, will incubators is something that's come up. Will startups um, having virtual projects, virtual placements is still really big at the moment, especially after what we've all gone through, as Bonnie has mentioned. So there is a whole list for you, Trevor, that people could think about maybe putting something into the unconference about or to the journal about um, that they might be interested in, in researching a little bit. Bonnie, from you, anything? I completely concur with Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> for me, one of the key things in Will is, is, is this idea of equity, but also global citizenship. Um, how do I fit into a global world as a contributing member of that world. Michelle, Bonnie, wow. It has been an absolute pleasure to have this little discussion with you today on Will. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us, Trevor. It's really lovely to speak with kindred spirits who have the passion for Will like Bonnie and I do. Um, even if you don't have the nice view in the beautiful mountain, we'll still, we'll still welcome you into our circle of friends. Thank you so much for having us, Trevor. This has just been an absolute pleasure. And my apologies that we, talk to your head off and probably went over time for the length of the podcast but there's just so much important work that's been going on in will and we're just really excited to see what comes of the young conference and looking forward to engaging with others in this space as well please reach out to us michelle and i are on email and we can talk about will underwater so if there's something that you've found that resonated with you today please reach out to us too no, thank you very much. As I said, it was it was a two for one today. So, you know, we're packing in the value and, and there's no time limitation. Uh, just to say to the listeners, you heard it. We've got it recorded. Michelle is going to fly me out to enjoy uh, the... Uh... <laughs> to talk Will underwater during your surfing lesson. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, brilliant. Thank you, listeners. Thank you for joining us. Uh, do continue to come back and sign in. You've heard me drop uh, a few names that's going to be in the future podcasts. Uh, you've heard us talk about uh, waste as well and some of the uh, the, the, the global challenges and the, 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 in, um, the virtual placements which they're running. And uh, do go back and watch those podcasts that have happened already before as well. Um, stay well, everybody, and we'll speak to you soon again. Thanks. Bye now. Bye. You've been listening to The Doctor and he just dissected the intersection between work and learning.